Hey, we are in a series called uh, Drawing Nearer to God. And in the beginning of our year, we spent a lot, a good chunk of it, um, really focusing on what's the next step of your spiritual life. You know, like here, here you are as a believer, you declare these things, and yet your life does not actually reflect those things. And so how do we bridge from the belief into the actual character change? And we talked about a season of self-disciplines, of spiritual disciplines, to, to take the truth of those words and put it deep in our hearts so that it begins to reflect in our character, right? And of course, you know, we, we talked about, okay, if that's the case and this is who I am and this is what God's called me to, what's the next step of my life? What, what am I called to do next? Lord, what, what, what is my mission? What is my calling? And living that out authentically before the Lord. But I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure that in this journey of spiritual maturity, which is our, which is our big heart for this year, you know, our, our thing is rooted in Christ, a year of Christ-centered growth. We really, we really are hoping for a spiritual maturity in the life of the believers, because what we saw as leaders for the past two years is we saw that the moment sufferings or trial or um, issues came about in our Christian life, instead of being able to maturely deal with it, engage in the grief, engage in the loss, engage in the pain, we saw a lot of people run, hide, exclude themselves, and really just kind of push God aside. And, and the craziest thing is we felt like all those years, our church has been, so, it's been growing, things have been maturing, life has been great, but the moment suffering happened, it really dawned and put a huge light upon our spiritual life. And so this year, the theme of it, the heart of it, is spiritual maturity, for you to grow in your spiritual walk with the Lord. So on one end, spiritual maturity requires obedience to God. You cannot grow in maturity if there is no obedience to his word. You can't just sit around thinking like, I'm growing mature just because I do more things, right? But I wanna make sure you guys understand this. Just because you're doing things though, it does not mean that necessarily you are mature, okay? You can put on the facade of, of here I am, I'm doing all these things for you, Lord, but have an imbalanced spiritual mature life. You guys get what I'm saying, right? In one end, you could be doing all these things for the Lord, serving, Missions, work, all these things for God, for God, for God. But there's an imbalance in your home life, imbalance in the way you deal with your anger, your grief, your suffering. There's an emotional imbalance that happens here. You see, we, sometimes we focus too much on doing things for God, but we're not thinking also about being with God. Spiritual maturity requires both. It requires a being with God, drawing near to God, and after that, doing things for God. A lot of you guys, I think you guys grew up in families like that, especially if you come in Christian homes, where you see your mom and dad, they do things for God, and everyone around them calls them so mature, so spiritual, so great. But at home, you see them. You see their lives. You see the way they engage. You see the way they deal with each other. You see the anger, the issues, the selfishness, the emotional imbalance that goes on there. And so you look at Christianity and you say, I don't want any of that. Christianity must be all about doing. What is this power of being changed that comes here? And I'm not going to lie to you. That's an immature believer that your parents have. They're dealing with their own demons. And we're working on working with your parents. But for now, deal with you. You gotta work on an emotional health as well as spiritual obedience. This is how spiritual maturity happens. Emotional, healthy spirituality and obedience. You guys follow? We've been talking a lot about obedience, but this next few weeks, I wanna talk about emotional health, spiritual health, working on drawing near to God, being with God. Because you can get this down, everything else follows.
Okay, we're gonna try to really scrape away all of the stuff that we've been kind of taught as a church and kind of even as, as your pastor kind of been pushing you guys in terms of doing and doing and learning how to be with the Lord. All right, so that's our, our part today. To do that though, we, last week we talked about uh, why we need this intimacy with God, but today I wanna talk about if you wanna grow in emotional, healthy spirituality, if you wanna grow in spiritual maturity, at least on this side, one area that you have to understand, one area that you have to grow in is knowing yourself. Everybody say know yourself. Right? You got to know yourself if you want to know God. Know yourself in order that you may know God. It's so important that you know yourself because if you know yourself, you can differentiate your true self, the one that God has created you to be in Christ. It's the key to leaving all of the bondage of others' expectations of you. If you know your true self, in Christ, it's the key to knowing God's will for your life and not what someone else's idea of God's will is for your life. If you know your true self in Christ, it is the key to loving others and creating blessings within the community. Knowing yourself is so important, okay? And I, I would dare venture a guess that a lot of us probably don't know ourselves, all right? You guys want, you want to take a quick test? This is how you know that you have not really truly know yourself. These are the characteristics of people who have a, uh, a very difficult time in understanding themselves, okay? They can't differentiate themselves from what other people think of them. I'll give an example, okay? People who do not know themselves can't distinguish between fact and feelings. They blend it together. Their feelings become their fact or their fact is their feelings, right? If that's part of you, you do not know yourself. People who don't know themselves emotionally are needy and highly reactive to other. Emotionally, they need people. Like, I need you. I need you. Okay? And how people respond, you respond very, uh, you, there's a reactive experience to that constantly. How people respond to you, you react to them. People who don't know themselves spend much of their life energy in winning the approval of others. It's really important what they think of me. It's really important what people, how people see me. It's really important how church sees me, how work sees me, how my family sees me. People who don't know themselves spend all their energy winning the approval of others. People who don't know themselves, they, they have little emotional separation from their families, meaning that their family is their life. They have no separation from their family. They're bonded to their family. They're loyal to their family. They're dependent upon their family for their words, for their thoughts, for their direction. Everything comes. People who don't know themselves are dependent on their marital relationships or their relationship with their boyfriends or their girlfriends. Meaning that I am nobody unless so-and-so is with me. I am nobody unless I have so-and-so. People who don't know themselves do very poorly in transitions during crisis and life adjustments. When things change, they freak out. When things are going wrong, they freak out. They don't know how to cope with those situations. People who don't know themselves, unable to see where they end and others begin. Meaning they can't understand personal space. They can't understand, they can't read the room very well. Meaning that your space is my space, right? Everything I am, shh, I pour it out to you. People who don't know themselves, their self-esteem soars with compliments and crushed with a single criticism. People who don't know themselves, when anxiety is low, they function well. They're happy, they're giddy, everything is great. But when anxiety is high, they're a ball of mess. Stressed out. The world's turned upside down. 
People who don't know themselves become anxious or freaks out when relationship system falls apart or becomes unbalanced. Does this sound familiar? You're like, dude, this is me, right? People who don't know themselves often make poor decisions due to inability to think clearly under stress. So when stress comes, they just make really bad decisions, impulse buys, impulse actions. People who don't know themselves seek power, honor, knowledge, and love from others to clothe their false self, to make them feel good about themselves. Another way in which you guys can tell that you don't know yourself is how do you deal with anxiety? When things are bad, can you calm yourself down and react well without letting the anxiety get to you? Or are you consumed by the anxiety? Do you let the stress just overwhelm you? This is how you know you don't know yourself. How easily triggered are you? How do you feel when you're criticized? Do you try to justify, react angrily to it? When people say, you don't know what you're doing, right? Your leadership is a mess, right? You're a poor excuse for a son or a daughter. Your performance today was horrific. Can you handle the criticism and ask questions and be inquisitive? Like, why do you think that way? Or do you find yourself caught up in the emotional action of their criticism? People who don't know themselves have these issues, right? And it does not matter how well you are in serving the Lord. It doesn't matter how much Bible you've read. It does not matter how much you think you've prayed or how spiritual you look on the outside. If these things are an issue for your life, your spiritual life is imbalanced. Everybody say imbalance. imbalance. Your spiritual life is imbalanced. You, everyone can look at you and say, man, that's, that person's doing all these things for the Lord. Look how great they are. They're there 24-7, serving the Lord nonstop, all for Jesus. And yet, deep down the inner core of your life, you have no idea who you are. You have no idea who you are. So how do you expect to know God? There must be a balance for spiritual maturity. There must be a balance. So today I want to share with you guys the most obvious question that comes out of this. It's, well, how, PT, how do, I, how do I begin the journey of knowing myself then? Right? How do I begin the journey of knowing myself? How do I figure out who I am? Right? The age-old question of every college kid, who am I? Right? I am who I, who you say I am. It's a true, right? Right? I want to share with you guys how do you go about knowing yourself because it's such an important thing, okay? Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, verses 21. We'll start there. Luke chapter 3, verses 21. How do you begin the journey of knowing yourself? Twenty-one to twenty-two. Let me read this for you guys. This is the baptism of Jesus. Okay, this is the baptism of Jesus here. When all the people were begin, being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And the voice came from heaven: "You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased." How do you begin the journey of knowing who you are? The first thing is, know who God says you are. I know that sounds very 
very, very, very basic and very, like, uh, duh, right? But let me, let me break this down, because sometimes I don't think you guys understand this as much, right? How do you begin the journey of knowing who you are? Know who God says you are. At this point in Jesus' life, has he done anything yet? No. Has he performed any miracles yet? No. Has he made a name for himself yet? No. He was some carpenter, some like blue-collar worker in a boondown, uh, boondock, uh, a backwater village from a backwater town. He's like a redneck coming out of the city or coming into the city and saying, hey, here I am. Nobody knew who he was. He hasn't done a single, hasn't done a lick of things. And yet, when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, when he was baptized, before anything was done, before any name was made, this is what God said about Jesus. He said this, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Another way of saying this is you are lovable. You are good. It is so good that you exist. Before Jesus has done a lick of anything, before he's proven himself, before he's done any miracles, before he has said anything, before he's preached any message, before he's changed any lives, this is what the Father said to him first and foremost as the foundational affirmation and encouragement of his life. He said this, you are lovable. I love you. You are good. Your existence matters. It is good that you are here. And that is the foundation of his self-understanding. That's the foundation of who he is. Jesus knew exactly who he is and who he was not. And what led him to do what he did was based off of this simple foundational affirmation. You are good, you are lovable, your existence matters. And that root source of how he feels about himself moved him into the life that he was going to do. Now, why do I say that? Because the moment you recognize your need for God, recognize the inability of you to save yourself, recognize the pouring of sin that's in your life, recognize the trajectory of your life without Jesus Christ, the moment you cry out to him, Lord, save me. Save me, this wretched sinner. This is the result. He comes and he says, you are love. You are good. Your existence matters. You sit there and you think, I don't know that I can be loved. I, the creator of heaven and earth, tell you before you've done anything, before you have proven yourself, before you have done any work for me, I am declaring to you my affirmation upon you, my declaration of your identity. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are lovable. I love you. You are good, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm caught in, God. You are good in Christ. You are loved in Christ. Your, matter, your life and existence matters in Christ. It is good that you exist in my son. Do you guys get that? Oh, man, that is the affirmation that's supposed to hold us still. That's what we're supposed to cling to, hold to as we begin to understand who we are. You are, everybody look at each other, say, you are love. In Christ. Say, look at each other, say, you are good in Christ. 
So your existence matters in Christ. Okay? I'm going to tell you, when, when you have a relationship with the Father, this is your identity. Whether you feel it or not, this is your identity. Whether you acknowledge it or not, this is your identity. If you understand this, if you hold to it, if you grip to it, it will move you to do what you need to do because you know exactly who you are and who you are not. But, we, but a lot of us don't do that, right? We know this, but we don't do that. You know why? Because there, there are certain masks that the devil placed to us that we have to put on. And these masks become what we call ourselves. It's what we identify ourselves as. We're going to talk about those masks. But before I, I move on to this, I need you to understand, once you recognize this affirmation, knowing God's love, acceptance, provides the only sure foundation for loving and accepting your true self. You got to know this. Do you recognize that? You are good in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you have done and will do that will take that away from you. You are righteous in him, the Bible says. You are loved. You are loved. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are loved. Your existence matters. So why do you keep saying, my existence doesn't matter? No one cares if I'm alive or not. Why do you keep saying, I'm not good? You have no idea who I am. Why do you keep saying, I can't be loved? If people know me, I can't. The Father, the moment you have cried out, save me. You are good. You are loved. And your existence matters. You guys get that? I, I'll show you a story. When I, was in the old, when I was in the old church, I was there for about 10 years, right? So I was saved there and I became a youth pastor there. So 10 years. So I, sometimes I, I've watched a lot of kids grow from like, you know, children ministry all the way up to like high school. You know, as I, I watched them. You kinda, and, I, and I've been with them their whole life, right? And then one, 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 uh, one person in particular, one girl in particular, I remember I was, I was, for the CM, I was there. I was there washing. I remember I was washing her feet. I was the one teacher that did it. I prayed over her. She, she was from outside. She wasn't born into the church. She was from outside. She had a friend brought her. And we, I just, we walked her through junior high. She became our praise leader, our, our praise team. We hung out together. We, the, the team hung out today. Back in the days, I was single. So we stayed up to like, we stayed up to 2 a.m. Parents didn't care back then for some reason. Like, I'll be like, so they'll, they'll call their moms. I'm hanging out with Pastor Tony. Is that okay? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back whenever. And we'll, we'll take them to like two, to two or three in the morning. We'll watch a midnight movie and then we'll get home at two and no problem. You know, that's no permission needed. It was just kind of this, this kind of life that we had. So I really knew them from the inside. I knew, I knew a lot about them. So 10 years passed in this one girl, right? And, and I, I remember, you know, when you know someone long enough, you can tell when their face is like, I'm having a bad day or I'm having a good day. You, you, you can read it pretty easily. Right? I remember I walked into the praise room. I looked at her and she's kind of just slumped over. I was like, what's wrong? I said, nothing, right? Typical, right? I was, like, I was like, I know something's wrong, just tell me, right? It's like, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. I said, like, okay. So I always use the line like, you know, um, tell me what I already know, right? And then she's like, you don't know anything. I was like, I do. Just tell me, right? And then, you know, she goes on. She said, well, I'm, just, I'm really sad today. I said, like, why? You know, my, uh, my boyfriend broke up with me. I said, okay. I mean, you've been known for three months, so who cares, right? <laughs> you know, and then, like, and then she looked at me. She was like, you don't get it. So I said, okay, well, uh, sorry. <laughs> okay, we had no female teachers, okay? It was just a bunch of guys leading, okay? So it was, it was horrible. We just, these, these girls came out so messed up because of us, right? So we, uh, we so I said, okay, okay, t- uh, tell me, why did he break up with you, right? So I think because he thinks I'm fan ugly. So what? 
Did he tell you that? I said, no. I said, so how do you know? Because his girlfriend that he just had right now is skinny and pretty. I'm like, okay. But why do you think you're fat and ugly? He says, because I am. He's like, no. All right? Do you think you're not beautiful? She said, I, I know I'm not. I said, look, I'm going to tell you. If you're not beautiful, I'll tell you you're not beautiful, okay? You are beautiful. All right? If you're ugly, I'll definitely tell you you're ugly, but you're not ugly, okay? You're beautiful. All right? <laughs> and she says, like, but it's not fair. You have to say it because you're the pastor. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm telling you this not because of my words. I'm telling you this is what God tells you about you. Right? You're not reading your Bible, so let me just tell you what the Bible says about you, right? You are love. You are good. Your existence matters. You are beautiful in God's eyes. You don't get it. I said, look, why would you not, why would you not listen to the pastor who's known you for 10 years and live and die off a dude that you barely met for three months? That, the logic doesn't even make sense. She was like, you don't get it. <sighs> Fine. I'm just going to repeat it to you. God says you are lovely. God says you are worth it. God says you are available. I know you are. I see, I know your quirks, I know your ups, I know you're, I know you're ugly, I know you're beautiful, right? I know the ugly things about you, I know the good things about you. What I see is you are a daughter of God and you are lovely. But why? Isn't that weird? When God, the maker of the whole universe, when God, the creator of all the worlds, when God, the one perfecter of our lives, the one who actually molded us from the beginning of our lives, shaped us in our mother's womb, who knows every intricate detail about us, tells us in Christ you are love, you are good, you are good. I know some of you guys have a hard time understanding that. You are good in Christ. If you die right now in Jesus Christ, you will stand before God. If you know him, this relationship is true, he will say, well done. He will say, righteous one. Not because of you, but because of my son in you. You are good and your existence matters. And then we, we live and die off of a voice of somebody else that we barely know. How do you begin the journey of knowing yourself? You gotta know who God says you are. You gotta know your identity in Christ. But here's the thing, what keeps me from having this identity? What keeps me from acknowledging that? What keeps me from actually hearing his voice Hearing his whisper to me that I am good, that I am love, that my existence, my, it is good that I exist. There's three masks that comes on. And these three masks is what the devil used to try to throw onto Jesus during his temptation. I want to share with you these three masks. And I want you guys to recognize these things. Because until you're able to let go of these masks, until you're able to be able to put down these masks, take off these masks, you're never going to understand who you truly are in Jesus Christ, okay? So open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter four, okay? When, when you know yourself, who you are in Christ, you don't have to think about other people. You can celebrate. You, you can see yourself as a treasure before God. That's what he calls you, a treasure, right? Rather than seeing something that has to conform to some level of expectations from others, you see yourself as a treasure. Even your introvertness. I know a lot of you guys, who here is introverts here? Right? There's a lot of introverts in this house. I know well, you're all liars all of a sudden, right? right? There's a lot of introverts here. You know, sometimes, I know sometimes growing up in high school kids, when they're introverts, they see like, you know, the loud and the excited you know, girl or guy at the life of the party. Everyone's like loving on them. Everyone's excited for them. They're like, man, I wish I could be like that, but I'm just an introvert, so I'm just going to sit in this corner. Right? But if you know yourself... 
If you know who you are in Christ, all of a sudden you can celebrate your introvertness. You can celebrate how God has made you. Okay? You know, for those of you guys who are extroverts, some of you guys are thinking like, man, sometimes so-and-so, they're, they're, you're an extrovert, but you're like, man, but so-and-so, they're, they're so thoughtful. They can see so deeply, right? They're, they're, they're so like solemn. You know, I, I, I kind of I want to have that understanding of people. Like, all I can do is just make people laugh, right? And you're all excited about that. It's like, I just, you can celebrate your extrovertness, right? Yeah, you can celebrate because there's something that God's placed in you, right? You embrace the talent, the gifts you had, and don't push it away because someone other than God told you that those things are useless and profitless. You can embrace those things because God has made you this way. You are good. You are lovable. Your existence is good in Jesus Christ. But here are the three powerful temptations that threatens this reality. Know this. Take these masks off so that you may be able to begin the journey of knowing yourself. Luke chapter 4. Temptation of Jesus. Let me just read from 1 to 4. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit... Right? full of the reality and the knowledge of his identity, who he is and who he is not, by the, by the voice of the Father himself, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Right? And this is what the devil said. This is the first mask. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. How do you begin the journey of knowing yourself? You got to take off your mask. Everybody say, take off your mask. You got to take off your mask. And the first mask that you have to take off is take off the mask that says, I am what I do. I am what I do. At this point, the devil comes up, meets Jesus, and what does he tell Jesus? Turn these stones to bread. Do a miracle. Do a miracle. Jesus, for the past 30 years, you've been absolutely useless. You haven't done anything. You're from a backwater village, from a backwater town, and doing blue-collar work. You're a nobody. Right? Do something to show that you are a somebody. Turn the stone into bread. Jesus, coming out of this, I'm telling you, he, he probably sounds like a loser. He probably looked like a loser. Think about, think about this. 40 days in the desert. His body's all shriveled up. He hasn't ate these past 40 days. He's in the desert, so his sunburn, sun bleach, sun, he's probably like uh, sunburn all, all over his body. Right? He probably looks like a homeless hobo on the street here. And all of a sudden, Satan says, hey, be somebody right now. This is your chance to be somebody. You've done nothing. Turn the stone into this bread. What contribution have you made to the world? Nothing. To do something amazing so that people will know that you are cool based on what you do. You are good based on what you do. You got to take off your mask. One of the things that keeps us from recognizing that you are loved by God in Jesus Christ, that you are good in Jesus Christ, that your existence is good in Jesus Christ, is because you still wear the mask that says, I am what I do. Our culture tells us the same thing. What have you achieved? in life? How have you demonstrated your usefulness to this world? What do you do? Okay? And most of us consider ourselves worthy or worthwhile if we scored sufficient successes in the areas of school, 
work, family, church, relationships. When we don't, what happens? We work harder, we move faster, we try more. And when we can't, we get depressed out of our shame and our guilt of not being able to live up to the expectation, not be able to do what we thought we were able to do. Or if you're Gen Z, you blame everyone else for your problems, right? For your predicaments. It's not my fault, right, that I'm poor. You take off the mask, I am what I do. Look how Jesus responds to that, right? Look how Je- the mask that Satan tries to slap onto Jesus and says, hey, show the world that you are somebody based on what you do. This is what Jesus says, verse 4. Jesus answered him, it is written, where? In the word of God, man does not live on bread alone. Man does not live on bread. It is written in the word of God. I am not here to tell you or prove to myself based on what I do. I am telling you this is who the Father is. I am listening to his voice. I am not sustained in this world by trying to show people who I am, what I'm doing. I am sustained in this world by my Father. By who he says I am. You know, I remember when I was, uh, when I was coming into uh, pastoral, uh, pastoral life, my mom, right? My mom, she, she, is, a, she is a gung-ho woman that she is what she does, right? She is somebody based on what she does. Based off of one issue, you know what it is? She's afraid to be poor, right? That was the main thing. She's, that's why even today, she works seven days a week, okay? Seven days a week. And I tell her, like, who are you feeding? I'm not even in the house anymore. Who are you? You ain't feeding grandma. She barely eats, right? Like, who are you feeding? The, the old excuse was, I got to feed you. Right? It's like, mom, I'm out of the house. Who are you feeding? I am what I do. Right? And that's why her number one goal for me growing up in high school was to become a, a doctor. Right? Because a doctor, financial sound. I mean, I, I, there's many other jobs with financial sound, but you know, a doctor is the one she wants. Right? You are who you, what you do. And so the day when I told her, I'm not going to be a doctor anymore, I had to take off that mask and be honest about this because I remember there was a season in my life where I had to ask myself, hey, am I who I'm going to be because of me being a doctor or is it that God, what do you want me to be? If my identity is found in you, Lord, you tell me I am good, you tell me I am loved, you tell me that it is good for my existence, then what do you want me to do? Because right now, all I'm doing is I'm doing what she wants me to do, what they want me to do. My worth and my value is based on what I'm going to be doing. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? And when he said pastoral, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, right? And when I told my mom, mom, I'm going to be a pastor, what was the first question you think she asked? How much does it pay, right? So I sat there. I was like, hmm, enough to have three meals in this house, right? And she said, three meals? I, was like, I didn't say it was good meals, but I said three meals in this home. She said, so that means you're going to be paid nothing. Yeah, pretty much, right? But we don't live off. See, a lot of us, when you're pursuing your careers and your job and you're you're thinking this is what makes me worthwhile, what I do, the real question you should be asking is, God, what do you want me to do? I know there's there's expectations from families in your life, and these are the masks that you have to wear. 
Because there are expectations that you're putting on, expectations you put on yourself, expectations that's made from the outside sources. You gotta take these masks off and begin to ask the question, if I am loved by God in Jesus Christ, if I am good in Jesus Christ, if my existence matters in Jesus Christ, then God, what do you want me to do? Because that's the only place where you begin to actually learn to know yourself. Otherwise, everything you do it's built off of the expectation of somebody else because you're putting on this mask. If it's not your family, it's the people around you. Right? If it's not, your, if it's not, your, if it's not the people around you, right, it's the culture in the world telling you this is the expectation, this is where you should be. And they make you put on this mask. And the more masks you put on, the bigger this mask that you make for yourself, the less you actually begin to know who you are. And no wonder, no wonder our spiritual life is in balance. Here we are serving the Lord, but all we want to do is focus on my job, the perks, what I do, what I get, how much I make, my degree, the letters behind my name. But I'm spiritual. I serve, go to missions, all this stuff. But this right here is what I, makes me worthy. This is who I am. No. This is the mask that you wear. You don't really know who you are. So take that mask off. You guys follow? Second mask. You got to take off your mask. But here's the second mask that Satan tries to throw upon Jesus. So the one that I am, what I do is not there. So he throws a second one. Verse 5. The devil led him up to the high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus was taken to see all the magnificence and power of this earth. The, pre, the, the devil pretty much said this, look around you at what everyone else have. You don't have anything, carpenter's son. You don't have anything, backwater village, villager. You don't have anything, redneck town person, right? You're nobody. You have nothing in your name. How can you possibly think you are somebody? How will you survive? You're nobody. The devil played this journey of creating a fear for the source of his security. You know the second mask is? The second mask is this. I am what I have. I am what I have. How many of us are like this? You know, our culture measures our successes by what we own, right? Do you know how much money they spend on, uh, on, on trying to seduce kids to buy things? Kids and adolescents, every year? I looked this up, $15 billion is invested in trying to seduce children and adolescents to believe they have to have certain toys, certain clothing, electronic devices. Their very identities depend on it. If this is true for my son, I'm very sure it's very true for you, okay? Like, Seth would be watching something on YouTube, right? And, and the crazy thing is, whenever I watch something on YouTube with him, I see it at Target. I, it just shows up. I'm like, like, did they like read my, like, how did they know, right? Any show he watches, all of a sudden I see it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this wasn't here last time, right? But it's there. And you know what's crazy about Seth, right? I like to go in Costco because, you know, I just like food, right? But I said, Seth, let's go to Costco. He said, no. So where do you want to go? Target. I said, what, what, what's that Target? Just, I just want to go. I like Target, Daddy. I said, okay. Take him to Target. We just walk around. And he just makes a beeline shh, straight to the aisle. And he just watches him like this. 
Wow. Whoa, so new, right? And then you'll be like, Daddy, Daddy, look. It's Ryan's gigantic egg. I'm like, okay, what's in it? I don't know, right? Why do you want it? It's $40. That's the best part. We don't know. I'm like, I can go home, find a box, throw a bunch of random stuff in there, and then you pay me $40 for it, right? He said, no, it's not the same. It has to be the egg. I can make it into an egg if you want, you know? Like, what, what is the difference? He says, you, no, daddy, you don't understand. It has to be this egg, right? I said, we ain't buying you an egg that you have no idea what's inside. It makes no sense to me, right? $15 billion to seduce adolescents and children and even adults to thinking, I have to have this certain type of clothing, I have to have this electronic device updated, right? How many of us have to have the new updated phone? All the time. Updated technology, all the time, right? As adults, what do we do? We measure, we measure by comparison. We measure by comparison. This is the mask that we wear. The mask is I am what I have. So we, 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 we measure, we're seduced, we don't know ourselves, we put on this mask of I am what I have. So we do what? We start comparing. Who makes the most money in our group of friends? All right. Do I make the most money or do you make the most money? We start comparing to who has the most beautiful body? Who's the most yoke? All right? We start making comparisons. Who's the most comfortable in life? We tie our sense of worth to our positions at work, the money and perks that we get. Wow, look at me. I work at so-and-so. You know all the perks I get? All the perks is probably just to keep you there so they can make more money off of you. But, you know, we begin to compare ourselves to who has the best education from what school. The most talents, awards, degrees, the resume. You are what you have. Who, is the most, who has the most attentive husband or boyfriend? The best looking girl or wife? We make these comparisons because we put on the mask to say I am what I have. And so we're embarrassed if we don't have something. We embar we're embarrassed to own up to when, we, when we, we feel like, you know, I'm lacking behind. And we think somehow it's a flaw. Because we've worn this mask that somehow has deluded us and forgetting who we truly are. In Christ, you are love. You are good. And your existence is good, he says. Before you've done anything and before you've acquired anything, he's already declared that. So what makes you think that the more you acquire is the more worthy and valuable you are when he's already declared that you're worthy and valuable in Jesus Christ? How foolish is that? I am what I have. So as we go on, see, our culture tells us, my culture, our family of origin, our flesh tells us that only possession and talents and applause from other people are sufficient for security. Jesus models surrender of my will to the love of the Father as the true anchor for Jesus for who I am. Look at what he says here. As, as Satan slaps on this mask, tries to, Jesus, Jesus responds, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Why do you worship your career? My God says to worship him only. Why do you ascribe so much value and worth to the house you live in? Well, my God says worship him only. Why do you ascribe so much to how much you have in your bank account, your personal security, the clothes you have, the way you look on the outside? When my God says worship him only. See, when you have him as the anchor, all of a sudden, this mask is to be taken off. You're not who you are based on what you have. You are who you are based on who he says you are. But we don't have that source of strength, identity, and confidence. Why? Because you're constantly wearing this mask. Take it off. And I'm not going to, it's, it's, part of it is our own fault, but part of it is also because of our, of our family, right? Most of you guys are, most of us are Asian. We grew up in Asian homes. So our family, right, do what? Always compare ourselves. What do you have? What degree do you have? Right? And they compare yourself to somebody else. Always. It's always somebody else that they, that they think is better. Right? So it's like, Mom, it doesn't matter if you have like straight A's, 5.0, you're going to Harvard. They'll be like, but you didn't get a full scholarship for it. <laughs> Your cousin's third aunt, sister got a full scholarship to Harvard. What's up with that? Right? There's a comparison over and over. And so you're thinking like, I'll never measure up. So I have to have this to be somebody. And Jesus is saying, take off the mask. Because until you know who you are, you're never going to grow in spiritual maturity. You're never going to be able to draw near to me. Because you barely even know who you are. So how can you know who I am? Right? Everything you are is based on what everyone tells you. And so you often say, I know who I am, but I, you know, I'm, my life is based on what I do and based on what I, what I have. And Jesus says, then you don't really know me. You give the lip service of knowing me, but you don't know me. That's why, it's, that's why Jesus spoke of us. He says, on the last day, we stand before God. We stand before, he says, Lord, I've done all these things for you. Prophesied in your name, done work in your name, served in your name. And he will look at you and he says, I have never known you. Be away from me. But here's the third mask that we put on. So the devil, verse 9, led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan invited Jesus to go up to the highest point of the temple, the place of worship. Everyone's down there praying. Everyone's looking. He's up there. He says, Jesus, jump. Once you jump, the angels will definitely catch you. And once you are caught, everyone else would say, yes. That's the guy. That's our Messiah. Right? The third mask we put on, you know what it is? Take off the mask of, I am what others think of me. I am what others think of me. At this point, think about this. People didn't think anything of Jesus. They didn't even know who he was. And Satan was giving him this mask saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to be known here by people, to be recognized, to be perceived as something great, to be acknowledged. Take it. Take it. Jesus at this point was invisible. No one knew who he was. Again, 
backwards town, backwards village, carpenter's son, nobody famous shows up on the scene. How could Jesus think he had worth and value unless somebody tells him he has worth and value? Unless the people around him thinks like that. Most of us place our premium on what other people think of us. Right? And some of you guys say, I don't. No, you do. You do. I'm very sure you do. We, we put a, such a huge premium on that that we don't even realize that we do that. Right? Think about this. What will I say in a conversation when I'm with people? Are, are you differentiated enough where if you're amongst a group of people, you, you're able to stand your ground and say something that's different from the group, or do you find yourself kind of like just echoing that same group? Echo chambers, right? I'm just repeating what they're saying. Or do you have a true identity in Christ to be able to speak truth into that? To have a real conversation into that? We, we saw this past you know, two years. This is a big thing that happened. We have liberals, we got conservatives, and we have Christians on both sides just spewing things like that. Rather than Christians being in there and saying, you know what? You're right, but they're also right. You know what? I, I see the value in this, but this is what Christ tells me I'm supposed to be doing. There is truth here, but there is more truth in Jesus. Are you, are you, are you able to do that, or do you find yourself just kind of echoing what everyone else is saying in that group? That's why it's so dangerous. When you're in groups like that, you find yourself, if you, if you find yourself always creating certain small groups for yourself, you always end up saying the exact same thing. Because why? You're afraid of what people perceive you as. What if I say something different? They're going to look at me like, mm, that's kind of weird, right? Because you're afraid of what others think of you. Here's the next one. What school will my child attend? So a lot of us are having parents, our parents now, we're having kids. We're thinking like, where I send my, school, my kids? You know? So-and-so send their kids to like a private school that costs 4000 a month. Should I do that? You only have 2000 a month in but they need to go to that private school, 4,000 months. I don't want to look like a bad mom, right? I'm putting my kids behind. They're behind in life. They didn't get the scholarship yet. They're six years old. What, what scholarship do you, are they supposed to get? You know, so-and-so's kid is like, you have a golf scholarship already. At six years old, right? They're not behind. But you're so afraid of what people perceive you as that you have to, what, jump into that. I got to be a part of it. I got to do that. I'm so behind. Who will I date? Right? Who will I date? Should I date someone who's just good looking? Or what if everyone says, oh man, that person you date is kind of weird. But they have character. Yeah, but they kind of, mm. But they have character. Mm. Is that really important? Right? I need to be able to see them. It's like, oh, yeah, it's true. But like, you know, but they have character. Who will they, like, are you able to, like, are you, are you there echoing, it's like, you know, I got to have myself a, 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 a hot wife or a hot husband, right? That's most important. You know what's also important? What's also true? Hell is hot, okay? Doesn't make any sense. It's really about character, okay? Who will I date? Why are you so afraid of what people think of you? Do I tell that person that she or he hurt me? Am I afraid of speaking truth into their life? Because I'm afraid of what they think of m- about me. What kind of career would I pursue? What would my mom and dad think about me if I pursue this career? Well, what, 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 what is so-and-so going to be thinking of me if I pursue that career? Our self-image soars with compliments and is devastated by a single criticism. The mask you wear that, that, that always makes it so that you will never know yourself is that you think you, I am what others think of me. I am what others think of me. Look what Jesus says here. 
as he responds to uh, Satan finally. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left, him until, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus says, do not put the Lord to the test. I am who you say I am, Lord. I am who you say I am. Yeah, I can jump off, and yeah, he will deliver me, right? But then all I'm doing is seeking the accolades of the people. What I want, first and foremost, is what my God thinks of me, what he desires from me. You guys get that? That's why in your singleness right now, guys, and ladies, it's so important that you cultivate a character, a real spiritual character, that you understand your personal calling in life. Versus having someone else tell you what it ought to be. Or then when, you, when, you, when you're finally married and you haven't really thought about that, now you're sitting there with your wife wasting six, seven years trying to work on your marriage and then finally thinking, oh, maybe we should do something. You should be thinking about that before. Because what does God think about this situation? What does God think about this marriage? What does God think about my life? Freedom comes when we don't have to be someone special in another person's eyes because we know who we are. How do you go about knowing yourself, church? You gotta know who God says you are, that's first. But you gotta take off these masks. Every day you gotta take off these masks. One mask at a time. And you have to be able to do this one, I mean, it's not like you're gonna take it off all at once, but you're gonna have to work on this process because emotional, spiritual health takes time for you to deal with. Some of you guys are so ashamed. Some of you guys are so guilty that you kind of just hide yourself. Pretend you're something you're not. And guys, I didn't die for that. I didn't die for that person. I didn't die for that girl. I didn't die for that person. Right? I didn't die for saying so-and-so. I died for you. So the main question I have to ask, and this is the final thing we're going to talk about. So how do I go about cultivating this? Right? Application. I want to make sure you guys understand this. How do I go about cultivating knowledge of myself? How do I go about really making what Jesus Christ says about me a reality versus just me just lipping it? Versus me just knowing it in my head but never really affecting my heart? How do I go about getting this knowledge of who God says deep into my heart? How do I go about taking off these masks one at a time? Okay? A couple things. First, pay attention to your interior in silence and solitude. Pay attention to what's going on in silence and solitude. Silence means what? No noise. Solitude means what? Alone. That means the phone, off, stay away, you're alone, okay? Best place for me to do silence is usually in my car or at 12 a.m. when the kids and wife is asleep. Best times of solitude, right? I, do, I, mean, I can't do it while the kids are there because it's daddy, daddy, daddy all the time, right? Silence in the car, solitude. Now, what, what's, what's, what's happening during this time? What are we doing? Many people around us would like to fix, save, advise, and let us straight into becoming the people they would like us to be. In your science and your solitude, what you're doing is you're sitting there and you begin to deal with the emotional stuff that goes on. Today, I was criticized by my boss. Today, I, I was let down by a best friend. Today, I was hurt by so-and-so. Today was a great day. I got a promotion. 
Now the question you begin to ask is, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about that criticism? Lord, what's going on here? Why did that matter to me so much? Why is it making me so angry? Eventually what happens? Because you care so much about what people think of you. I'm so happy, Lord, I got the promotion. Why am I feeling that way? Why am I feeling joy? Would I feel joy if I didn't have the promotion? Probably not. Why is that? Because I base my value on what I have and what I do. And you begin to unpack those things in your heart, one by one, piece by piece, feeling by feeling, and letting go of those masks one by one. You guys get me? It doesn't, it doesn't go over, it doesn't, you, you don't just like one shot, all of it comes off, right? Every day you do this. And then after a while, after cultivating this thing for a while, you know what begins to happen? As you begin to interact with people, they start criticizing you instead of jumping like, I'm hurt by you, right? You are hurt, but then you begin to ask like, well, I know who I am, right? And I know that what you're saying usually would offend me because I usually would really care how you feel about me, but I know who God says I am. So let me ask you the question, why did you think that? Instead of jumping to like, well, forget you, right? Instead of jumping to the conclusion, well, let me, let me screw you back, right? Or let me get you back for that. All of a sudden, cultivating this mask, taking off day by day. That's why silence and solitude is so important. It's not just like sitting there quietly and just forget everything. So you begin to work on your interior, the emotions that's happening. Great example of this is like, you know, I don't give encouragement. I know. Right? I, I try, I, I, it's been one of my biggest flaws, right? All my salt guys always says, you, don't you, you demand more and you never encourage. And it's never good enough. And it's true. I thought, it's very true, right? And sometimes I try to give it. I was like, mm, that, didn't found, that didn't sound right. You know, like I'm not going to do it anymore, right? But you know what? But, but as, as I cultivate science and salt, you know, one of the things I begin to learn is like, why? I thought to myself, like, why, Lord, why don't I give encouragement? Like, I, the Bible says to encourage people. So why, why is it so hard for me to encourage people? Like, what's, what's going on there, right? And as, as, I, as I thought in this in science, you know what begins to, the, the, the thing that came to my mind, right? It's growing up, the joy my grandma had for me was never, was never just pure joy. Never encouragement. It was always by what I do. So the more I can accomplish, the more she stops yelling, right? The more I can do, the more she stops yelling. And so I thought, you know, taking it over to the church side, oh, here I am, that's my false self. Let that go, I'm a whole new being now. No, it's not, you, you take that into the church. And you begin to say like, you know, you did good, but this is where you should be, right? And then when they get there, it's like, that was good, but this is where you ought to be. And you know, and they work hard, they get there and like, cute, but this is where you, it's never enough, it's never enough, right? And I realized that's, a, that's an issue on me. Right? That's a deep issue on me. And so every time now, I, I do my best, still working, right? I realize, you know, that's, that's, this is something, a mask that I put on based on what I do. Take that off and to give an encouragement, to find a real encouragement to give it each time. Right? Getting better, yeah? Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys are, some of the guys are like, some of the guys are like, uh, <laughs> here, work a little harder, Tony. <laughs> Right? So pay attention to interior silence and solitude. 
This is where you're gonna take off these masks. You guys follow me? This is where the mask comes off. If you don't do this, your mask will never be taken off. You're just gonna just keep putting these masks on. But it's the second thing you're gonna do to begin the journey of knowing yourself. It's finding trusty companions, all right? There's a, there's a quote here by Bonhoeffer. He says, let the person who cannot be alone be aware, beware of community. But let the person who is not in community beware of being alone, okay? You need to understand that your own stubborn self-will is much deeper and more dangerous than you think. The possibility of self-deception is so high. You can deceive yourself and you think I'm doing everything right, that I'm following the right patterns. You need somebody from the outside to look in to correct you when you are wrong. You can't do it yourself because you will deceive yourself. That's how messed up we are. We can fall, easily fall into the trap of living in illusion. Our salt, our discipleship is for that purpose. It's having some brother or some sister who loves you, who is a little bit ahead in terms of the, just their spiritual growth in their life, who's able to see things from an outside perspective and say, hey, I'm concerned. This is an issue. I see it. Fix it. See, but the problem is, well, what do we do? Instead of put, finding ourselves with somebody who can speak truth into our life, we find people that begins to what? Echo what we like. So we find ourselves in these little tribes, these little cliques, these little cults that we create for ourselves. Just tell me what, exactly what I believe already. Oh yeah, we believe the same thing, so we must be right. Versus someone outside looking in and saying, you know, there's something wrong here. If you have multiple people like that speaking to you and saying something's wrong, something is wrong. You get that? This is how you begin to take off your message. You begin to say, well, why have I been so deceived in thinking that I am, I am doing right? Because it's successful. What I'm doing is bringing success. So it must be that I'm doing right because that's who I am. I'm, I'm having success here, so I'm gonna take on this mask because I am what I, what I do versus taking it off. You guys follow me? It's the same pattern. You need somebody outside speaking to you. So if you, don't have, if you have nobody mentoring you or speaking into your life, or you're walking with somebody, please find somebody. Please walk with somebody and give them permission. Give them permission to speak into your life, okay? And do that for another person and to another brother and to another sister because they can see the inconsistencies that you cannot see. Here's the third thing, right? How do we begin to cultivate uh, knowing yourself? Move out of your comfort zone. Move out of your comfort zone. Put yourself in places that are not comfortable for you, right? Because it's only in those places that you begin to recognize there's something wrong here, right? If you are a Christian and you are followed Jesus, you, you should be the freest of all people. You get me? You should be able to like navigate in all circles and everything will be okay. But if you find yourself only navigating certain circles, that's an indication you don't know yourself, right? Let's, let's say if you're an introvert, okay? If you're an introvert, you hate being where? In a crowd. You hate being in a crowd. You just cannot handle being in the crowd. You know, one of our sisters, you know, like um, our sister Elon, you know, 10 years ago, oh my Lord, you should have seen her, right? She's gone like leaps and bounds. Right, sorry, I'm going to talk about you, right? So, in a good way, in a good way, in a good way, right? So, like, I remember 10 years ago, we're, we're, you know, she was a leader, and so it would be like, she'll call me up before an event. Do I, do I have to be there? I say, yes. And then she shows up. She says, like, she sits in the corner. Everyone's doing their own thing. She comes over 10 minutes later. I did my 10 minutes. Can I go now? No. We, didn't, we haven't even started yet. Everyone's just barely talking. Oh, okay. 
If anyone doing that, don't they? She's like in this little spot, just out there. She's like, ah, oh, that was so exhausting. You just sat for 30 minutes. What do you mean you're so exhausted? What did you do? Just, you know? But 10 years later, you know, you find yourself always doing what now? Pushing yourself into these circles, right? Trying to talk, creating and mo- knowing herself well enough that she created mo- uh, enough emotional space that she can be in a crowd like this. Right? I'm sure every retreat she goes to is like, <sighs> right? But she gets in the car and she drives there, right? And she participates and she, she does her best. You know, she has a little, but, but she's grown, right? But you see, if you don't know yourself, what do you do? You stay in your comfort zone. Mm, I don't want to go. Too many people. Yeah, I don't want to go. People I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to go, right? How many of you guys are like that? You gotta put yourself in uncomfortable positions. Enter into conflicts. Like some of us entering into a conflict feels like death. So we, we what? Avoid issues altogether. I don't wanna talk about this. This is very uncomfortable for me, right? There's a huge problem in your marriage. Yeah, we're just gonna sweep it under the rug. Let's not talk about it, right? No, you have to talk about it. You have to release the anger. You have to engage in that, right? Or else all you're doing is you're, you're, you're putting on the mask. Our family is perfect. Everything is great. And then you watch their kids all mess. I thought your family was perfect. We just made it look like that. You got to put yourself in an uncomfortable position to ask uncomfortable questions, to do uncomfortable things, so that you begin to wrestle and recognize, hey, can I really be in this place and take off these masks that I have versus being in this place and just kind of put on the mask that I like? Christians should be the most freest of people you should be able to navigate every circle and know exactly who you are. That you don't feel intimidated. You don't feel less. You don't feel superior. You're, you could be the poorest person around the most educated people and still feel at peace because you know exactly who you are. You could be the smartest person around the most poorest people and still be at peace because you know exactly who you are. See, when, you're unco- when you find yourself constantly uncomfortable, huge indication. You do not know yourself. And so one way to practice that is get out of that. Move into the uncomfortable spaces. Wrestle with those emotions, okay? Embrace the area that God has placed you. And lastly, pray for courage. Pray for courage. Because the moment you start doing these things, people who've known you for a long time are very uncomfortable now with you, right? They're asking, why are you hanging out with so-and-so? That's weird. We don't hang out with so-and-so. That's not our group. Yeah, but, you know, I can. Change or else we're not going to accept you back. Parents would be like, why, why did you change your major? Like, I thought we had a plan. We had a plan. It was a 10-year plan, right? We're two years into it. Why did you stop? I think God just kind of put in my heart, Lord, that I need to be here. Change back, right? Either you change back and we will accept you. Or if you don't change, there are going to be consequences in your life. But I have the courage to do what? To admit to it. and say, no, I'm not. This is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. Pray for courage. There's always going to be consequences, but keep making changes. Be willing to tolerate the discomfort necessary for growth. Stop hiding. Stop worrying about what other people think. Stop worrying about what you have, what you don't have. Stop worrying about what you do, what you don't do. Start seeking your personal being in Jesus Christ. He says you are love. That means that you are love. He says that you are good, that means that you are good. He says that you are, your existence means something in Christ, that means your existence means something in Christ. So take his word and stop putting on the mask, 
I am what I do. Stop putting on the mask. I am what I have. Stop putting on the mask. I am what people think of me. Take those masks down one by one until finally you are free because you know who you are. Amen? Amen. All right? Prayer, my prayer for you, stop being fake. Stop putting on those masks. Lay it down. Lay it down before God and live out who he says you are. Let's pray.